Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Portland's Exercise Podcast. My guest on this one is, well, me. Is it because I was too lazy to book somebody to be on the pod this week? Uh, potentially. Is this just a cash grab to sell some ads <laughs> on a week when I don't have a guest? No, no, never. No, never. I, uh, I value you, the listener, too much to simply uh, produce content. But... Uh, I'm going to talk about um, our favorite things, the Cubs, and a little bit about the Bears, if we can stomach it, and uh, then I want to talk about the uh, Jeff, is it Agrest? 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 From the Sun-Times and his media rankings, which honestly, I don't know why you'd even think you can do a top 20 (laughs) in Chicago. Uh, It's a bad sign when there aren't any Chuggo guys on it. I mean, come on. How are... How could you? How can you have a list that goes to twenty without those laptop balancing fat guys in cargo shorts? Huh? It's possible. You can't do it. Uh, but we're gonna start with the Cubs and uh, the fact that spring training now they the Cubs report to spring training that pitchers at least on Valentine's Day. How romantic! <laughs> can you think of anything more romantic than uh, hugging Carter Hawkins uh, in a? On a natural grass field in the middle of a desert. I can't. They really sh- they should sell that experience. Like the old... Is the Randy Hundley fantasy camp? That's not a thing, is it? I mean, it was. But it's not anymore. So now your fantasy is just uh, pay $1,000 to the Ricketts family, payable, uh, write your check to cash, and uh, you can hug Carter Hawkins on Valentine's Day. I mean, shit, I would do it. Cubs care clean up. They should... Up. They can have that idea for free. Hug a Carter on uh, the 14th. Anyway, so Valentine's Day is a report day for the pitchers. A couple weeks later, not even a couple of weeks, nine days later, I think, 23rd, something like that, is for uh, the position players. And a lot of them will show up early just to show how eager they are and, you know, try to kiss ass with the new manager. So a lot of them will be there already. Uh, one guy who, as of now, would not be there is Cody Bellinger. Who just happened to be the Cubs' best player last year, and their super complete 83-win team that had the say it with me fifth best record in the National League in the second half for the second year in a row. I mean, I don't know how he wouldn't want to be part of that. I mean, you a chance to do that to three Pete? Yeah, come on, you could do it. Uh, he hasn't signed with the Cubs, but he also hasn't signed anywhere. And of course, it we get this whole uh, paranoid. Why is Asia to Scott Boris? 
And he's going to hold him out until he gets a $300 million contract, and the Cubs can't afford that. Yeah. Well, they could if they wanted to, but you shouldn't have to pay him $300 million. Uh, the thing I always remind people about Scott Boris is he doesn't make the decision for his clients. The clients make the decision. He simply presents their options and, and helps them find what their options are. I think there's this feeling, right, that he always steers players away from their current teams. But what he really does is he takes the shit when Bryce Harper decides he doesn't want to play for the Nationals anymore and instead signs a huge contract with the Phillies. Boris is more than happy to have Nats fans mad at him. That was kind of ironic considering that he was also Steven Strasburg's agent, and Steven wanted to stay, so he worked out a deal to stay. Of course, that deal didn't work out great for the Nationals either. <laughs> they're to the point now where they're arguing over just just how dead is Steven's arm. Um, they want him to retire, designated it with a career-ending injury, which would get them more insurance money. I don't know. There's a whole they're fighting over the whole thing. But anyway, uh, Scott Boris is. The agent, not only to Cody Bellinger, but also to Reese Hoskins, who was just signed with the Brewers. Uh, two years, $34 million. I saw a lot of that. Oh, Cubs couldn't pay. Cubs couldn't match that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They can't can't afford $17 million a year <laughs> for a first baseman, especially when there was an out where you might have not even had to pay him for year two. And they love those. That's why Cody isn't under contract this year. At least not yet. Uh, and he's also the agent to Matt Chapman. And the Cubs, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, they need a third baseman. Here we are. Um, what are we? We're 21 days, as I record this, from uh, spring training. The Cubs don't have a center fielder. I mean, they have Mike Talkman, so they don't have a center fielder. They don't have a first baseman. I mean, they traded for the, the Dodgers' top prospect, Michael Bush. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure that'll go flawlessly. Uh, or they could play Patrick Wisdom over there. That would be great. And they don't have a third baseman, although they do have spunky little Nick Madrigal, or Mick Nadrigal. I've heard it both ways. Um, and Patrick Wisdom. Patrick could play first and third at the same time. That'd be fun. Um, so it really, it, it kind of behooves them to be chatting with Scott Boris, because maybe you could get Cody, who he would come back, and he would most likely start off in center field, and then when uh, Pete Crow... Armstrong. Uh, it's not Pete Crow Armstrong, according to Rick Sutcliffe. Our, our buddy Forklift pointed this out. It's Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, Pete Crow, all one word. When he'll be ready this year, at some point, and he'll burst onto the scene, and then Cody will, like, all right, this is my, <clears throat> sorry, Cody, I'm center fielder now for the next decade. you got to go play first. But they could do that. I do. I love to give Pete Crow a lot of shit, mostly be, just because I feel like the he was he's so overhyped, and this is not his fault, right? Like I think I honestly think he's going to be a good player, and I think he will hit, um, and I think eventually he will learn that on the bases you just keep turning left, things will work out, and he's obviously is a is a very good defensive center fielder. Um, but they're, the prospect perverts have made him out to be, you know, he's Willie Mays. Maybe he is. Maybe he's going to start out like Willie. Wasn't Willie like one for 38 or something when he started? Maybe that's what Pete will do, and then he'll take off, and he'll be a, he'll hit 600 home runs and 
they'll be a Hall of Famer. Not unanimous. We we learned uh, on uh, Wednesday when we were talking about <clears throat> will Ichiro be a unanimous Hall of Famer next year, which he won't. Somebody will vote against him. Um, that Willie Mays didn't. Twenty three guys didn't vote for Willie Mays on the ballot the first year. Unbelievable. Joe DiMaggio, I don't think, made it in on the first ballot, right? It's some crazy shit. I know Yogi Berra didn't, because somebody pointed that out today. But anyways, you're not signing Cody, you're not blocking anybody. If you if you sign Matt Chapman, which I'm not that excited about, I don't think he's that good. Like, he's an excellent defensive third baseman, although the some of the numbers are starting to veer in the wrong direction. He has a great arm. And, um, you know, he's he's not going to be a bad... If you sign him, he's not going to be a bad player. You're not going to be at risk of signing a bad player. But he's, his offense has never been great. He's one of those guys who the, his, like, underlying numbers get everybody all excited. Oh, he hits the ball so hard. He really... He should have he should have hit 42 homers last year, but he hit 18. <laughs> because it was amazing. He hit, uh, he hit 24 seagulls. In Toronto, he sometimes even with the roof closed, he did bomb to left field, hits a seagull, falls helplessly in the left fielder's glove. I don't know how he did it, uh, but that's not my money. If the Cubs want to sign Matt Chapman, go get him. Um, now there's all the oh my god, he's going to block Matt Shaw. <laughs> like good, maybe Matt Shaw will be really good. I hope he is. But how many games did he play last year? I know he went to Double A and he hit, and that was good. But he was there for like a month and a half at the most, maybe not even. Let's not um, let's not put all of our eggs in the Matt Shaw basket. He can play somewhere else if he comes up and somebody is 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 hoarding third base. <clears throat> and then there's the thing that I think Craig Council will do that our beloved uh, Dancing with the Stars runner-up David Ross refused, and that is take advantage of the fact that you're primary designated hitter, Christopher Morell, is a utility player who can play maybe not great, but he can play all three outfield spots. He could play second base. That's actually seems to be his best position. And he should be getting a lot of work at third base. So that even if you sign Matt Chapman or even if you mid midseason you bring Matt Shaw up and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, he's Mike Schmidt. We didn't you know look at this amazing. The thing that Ross refused to do with Morella didn't make any sense was while he was wearing all of his position players out by playing them every day, he refused to do the sensible thing, which was to play, put Morella in the field at a position and then take that guy that day and let him DH and get a quasi day off. So say he needs a day off, you know, I have to take his bat out of the lineup. Morella goes and wanders around right field for a day. Ian Happ needs a day off. He goes and wanders around left field. Maybe Ian could even teach him how to slide under every fly ball for no reason. That would be good. Dansby needs a day off. Morell plays second base. Nico plays short. Then Nico needs a day off. Morell plays second base. Dansby's back at shortstop. And these guys are still getting their at-bats and they're still playing, so this precious play the guys who get you here, they're actually doing it. Like, that, that would have worked. But they never tried it. It was... It was weird. Their whole thing was, like, the only time guys got days off under Ross was when they were in a horrible slump, and he would, like, sit them for, like, five days. He did it to Morelli, he did it to uh, to Saya. 
And he, he was convinced that's what fixed Saya. And then Saya apparently told Jed or Carter, I forget which one of those geniuses told the story, I think it was Jed, that Saya had been working on trying to hit the ball farther out in front of the plate. So to get the ball in the air more. And um, they, had a, they were blowing out the Reds. And the Reds' backup catcher came in to pitch. And Saya's like, well, shit, if I'm ever going to do it, I'm going to do it now. And he did. He got way out. He, he hit the ball out in front, and he hit a bomb. And um, he went. that was like the second or third of August, and he went nuts the rest of the time. You don't have to, you don't have to sit these guys for a week to get their shit together. But it would be nice to get them off their feet. You know, Dansby played the last two months or whatever on a bad heel. It was part of the reason why his offense crapped out so bad. Although, thankfully, he had Michael Cerami over at Bleacher Nation to just say, he doesn't need to hit. They didn't get him to hit. Like, I think they did. I, honestly, I think they did get him to hit and to field. But shouldn't Morell have played more second base those last two months with Nico play, filling in a shortstop? And um, Dansby still getting his at-bats if you need him, but getting off his feet a little bit. It seems like that might have been a nice thing. I really do think that the what got Ross fired wasn't the excessive bunting. It was wearing out the bullpen and wearing out his players. I have a feeling he was getting feedback from the khaki pants brigade in the front office that this guy needs a day off, this guy needs a day off. And he just wasn't, he's like, no, no, I need him. Got to have him today. Can't. Can't win tomorrow's game today. Well, you can lose tomorrow's game today. So, yeah, thanks for that. But anyway, I'm hoping that, that Craig um, finds that a way to, to use Morell to continue to get him a lot of at-bats. I'm a little I'm a little worried about it. I love Christopher Morell. I, but I am worried that, that we kind of saw peak offensive Christopher Morell <laughs> last year. And maybe a more... Uh, ruthless organization wouldn't get so defensive about the rumors that you're trying to trade him. They might actually try to trade him. Um, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll just trust Jed. I mean, when's he ever steered us wrong? So, and we talk about, what if they don't bring Cody back? Well, if you don't bring Cody back, then you not only... It's, it's very difficult to see how you possibly improve this offense from last year if you take the best hitter out of your lineup from last year and then you don't adequately replace him, which I don't see how they could right now. It, it, there'd have to be a trade that we don't foresee to get a player in here who would actually have as good an offense as Cody provided last year. You need to get Cody back and you need to add another bat to get better. You only won, you won 83 games last year, and it wasn't enough. And I know there's all this, you know, well, I even saw somebody who was like, you know, if uh, they were so close, you know, if Dansby catches that line drive off of, I forget whose ass it hit. I'm just going to guess it hit Jamison Tyon's ass because it's the biggest one. But that's not what it was because it was late, late in the game. And uh, I know there are people who think that Dansby let it drop on purpose because he didn't think he could catch it. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, what I could have seen was him catch it and still throw it to first, thinking that he still had to get a force but pretty sure he knows that he you can touch that ball i don't know if they win that game now all they do is they tie the diamondbacks they didn't have the tiebreaker you needed that and you needed um 
Well, then the other one is, well, say it dropped that fly ball in Atlanta. They would have won that game. They weren't, I got news for you. They weren't winning that game. They had a one-run lead. Braves were still going to bat in the eighth and the ninth. Julian Merriweather was going to, I guess that was the eighth where they bat. They still were going to bat in the ninth. Julian Merriweather was coming in because the rest of the bullpen had been fried by that point. The, the bars were going to score at least a run to tie it. Probably four. You know, in the bottom, in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> and they were going to win that game. So I don't think that um, that impacted it all that much. Um, but the, even the idea, okay, so if, if they get in, then people are like, well, you know, the Diamondbacks won the World Series. The Cubs would have gone the World Series. No, no. The Diamondbacks were, for a plucky young team, they were really well set up for short series. You know, they're, they could basically eliminate most of their bullpen. They could cut. They were using freaking openers in the playoffs because they didn't have more than two good starters. But that's all they really needed. They found a way through. The Cubs, had they gotten there, I mean, I think they were going to play Milwaukee. I'm pretty sure they were. They were going to get beat by Milwaukee, and then come home, and then, and then hopefully it all would have still happened, <laughs> and Council still would replace Ross, and then he could have said, "Well, it's because he lost the playoffs." It was like a tournament. Council won. He got to coach the Cubs, manage the Cubs. Um, the Bellinger thing is interesting to me in that we have all these amateur contract experts. Well, you know, even if it falls down to five years and $150 million, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay him that. I can't, who, why do you give a shit what they pay him? Pay him. It's not your money. And $25 million a year for six years, if that's what it costs, that's what it costs. My guess is, I still think, and I'm just being naive, maybe it's because I can't fathom what happens if they don't. I do still think the Cubs are going to get him. I think they're going to have to pay more than they're comfortable with, and I think he's going to end up signing for less than what Boris thinks he's worth. Because the market does, does not seem to be. I think his other best option is probably the Giants, and I think that's a terrible park for him. I just, you know, he his revamp swing especially is tailor-made for Wrigley, where he can stay back on the ball and still hit the ball out to the, you know, to the power alley and left. At San Francisco, that's just an out, and it's going to be an out over and over and over again. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to he he's clearly enjoyed himself in Chicago. A lot of the stuff he still enjoyed about the Cubs are still there. I, he doesn't seem to me like a guy who was all that attached to David Ross. So I don't think he's like, oh, I can't play there. Look what they did to Rossi. Um, my guess is his contract will have a couple of phony baloney option years on the end. Say it's for 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 this discussion. Say it is six and one fifty. There'll be option years for years seven and eight at twenty five million, so that it's a two hundred million dollar contract. It's eight years, two hundred million, but it's really not. It's kind of like those NFL deals where the number is huge, and then it's like, oh, he signed for uh, for six years, one hundred and forty eight million dollars, and. 24 million of it is guaranteed. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a 24 million dollar contract then. Um, I think they'll end up, there will be some contract kabuki to make it look, feel like he got more than he got and make everybody happy. And I can, honestly, I can see the, <laughs> I can see the Ricketts chickening out at the last minute then and just being like, all right, we can't pay him that. And they're like, no, I, we explained this to you, Tom. We're not really, we're never going to pay him that money. Yeah, but it's, I see it's on the contract. It's like, it'll be okay. Um, 
so then there, I know there there are some people who are like, well, what are the odds that Cody that that last year was an outlier? He was so bad the two years before that, and he was. He's terrible. He's one of the worst players in baseball. One of the least productive hitters in baseball for two years. And if he hadn't had a shoulder injury, and then I think a shin, he did another weird injury. He had two. It would have been indefensible just how bad he was. But it was it's pretty clear now, given he changed his swing back more to what he had done before. He was getting to pitches he wasn't able to get to, that he really wasn't healthy. And now he is. And obviously there's the fear. What if he picks up another injury and then, you know, if it's is his swing like so like it has to be right here and everything has to work perfectly or it can't hit at all. I don't know, man. I mean players play with injury all the time, but sometimes you get one that you just can't do what you need to do. And you could get an injury a year later and it's it's not that. Like I hurt my shoulder again, but I it's not like the one I had before. I don't know. Every contract has risk. If you don't want to sign risk, then you don't. And clearly, Jed is is risk averse, right? Like, why does Ian Happ have a three-year, $60 million deal? Is it because, oh, that was such a great deal? No, I think even the Cub front office is like, he's just, he's okay. But they're like, but if we sign, he'll, he wants to stay, he wants to sign this, and then we don't have to go find another left fielder. What if we have to pay more for somebody else? What if you have to pay more for somebody better, right? That to me is the is the biggest issue. The Cubs, they they do not aspire to be the best at anything. They just want to be pretty good, and then they just seem to think that maybe everything will somehow fall into place, and it'll all work out. And it's like, well, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. You know, it's like they didn't learn from their own success. The 2016 Cubs were not built to win 84 games and sneak into the playoffs. They were built to win 100 games and kick everybody's ass, and they did. It worked. And now they're like, okay, that was great, but we don't need to do that again. Like, why? Are you telling me they lost money on the 2016 Cubs? Of course they didn't. Yeah. They, could add, they could add $100 million to this payroll, and they could still turn a profit. And, even better, they could easily pretend to have not turned a profit. That's their favorite thing, right? Is to f- cook the books for tax purposes and luxury tax purposes <laughs> and everything else. Make it a game for them. You know, put Todd in charge of here. Uh, you know, we're gonna remember the time you took a picture of the old of your old house before you uh, redid it, and then you tried to pay taxes on that, even though you did. This will be just like that, only different. And you're in charge. It'll be great. So they could try that. Um, what is Reese Hoskins to the Brewers? How does that impact the Cubs? It probably doesn't. I, I think I think Reese was always the fallback if Cody signed somewhere else. Um, I they I, I guarantee you they are convinced that P. Crow is going to be their center fielder sometime this year, and Cody's going to be playing a lot of first base, and we'll, you know, and then that cascading effect. They didn't want to pay Reese to be a, primarily a DH, and then you got to find a position for Morrell, and you, know, you could easily do all that stuff, but I don't think they wanted to do it. Um, hopefully, the reason he signed for two years and $34 million, which is more than what people thought he was going to get, is because the Cubs were bidding it up on the Brewers. 
with no real intention of ever saying yes. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. Um, I do know that you know it does it will make Milwaukee better because if he's healthy, Reese is a productive player, and they their offense is usually pretty bad, so that that will help. Um, I don't really know what to think about about Michael Bush yet. Um, I remember when he played halfback for the Bears. He's a big dude. Well, that's not that's probably not the same guy. Um, you know, it's funny that Tom Ricketts was going on and on at the in his six minutes of chatter at the Cub convention about how the Cubs signed a minor, traded for the minor league player of the year. Well, no, the minor league player of the year was Jackson Holiday of the Orioles. The, the minor league player of the year is usually like the best prospect in baseball what Michael Bush was was the Pacific Coast League player of the year. And sometimes those guys are good. Like Ty France was the Pacific Coast League. And he's been a pretty good player. He was an all-star for the Mariners once. Um, but it's like, okay, it's not, it's not that. It's not that impressive. Guys guys who play full seasons in the Pacific Coast League <laughs> are probably not that good. David Bodie should be a perennial Pacific Coast League MVP candidate. And we, we don't really want that again. Although they're still paying him. I think is this is this right? Is this the last guaranteed year for Bodie? He has two option years at like seven million dollars or something. That contract is still just cracks me up. It was this it was clearly Theo being frustrated with not being able to sign anybody to a long term contract. And it's like Bodie walked by his office and he's like, Hey, Bodie, come here. And he just like drew it up on a napkin. I was like, Alright, you want this? And he's like, Okay. Um, Bush supposedly can play some outfield, but badly. Some third base, inadequately, and maybe some first. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He's a left-handed bat with some pop. He did not have horrible strikeout numbers in the minors. Um, but his... Not to... I don't want to, you know, discourage you guys. Maybe if maybe this won't. Maybe you love this other guy. But when you compare his Pacific Coast League numbers and his big league numbers last year to Matt Mervis, they're almost identical. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I did think it was funny that the um, they're do, the um, MLB.com, I think, is the one who's doing it. They're ranking like the top ten prospects every position, and they got to first base, and Matt Mervis was sixth. <laughs> it's like I uh, we saw that man. That's uh, unless there's a there's a huge change, like a 180 degree change. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. So what happens if the Cubs, even if they do get Cody? But they still need to add. Where are all these trades we were promised, right? Like not just with the Cubs, but with anybody. You know, this was this this whole idea that the Sinclair TV money uncertainty would force some teams into trimming payroll unexpectedly because they're they're not going to get the money they got. Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, Amazon apparently is going to invest in the into Sinclair, the Diamond Sports Network, or whatever they call it group, I guess. And they're going to sell packages on Prime, local packages for those teams. So there's some extra income coming in, but it's not really expected to be that much money. Like, it'll help. You know, Amazon throwing some money in will help, but these teams still aren't going to get their full checks. They can't. Sinclair can't afford to pay them. Uh, But the other thing is, nobody's due a paycheck until the 15th of April. So there's no incentive yet 
to make any trades. You know, you're not sa- you're not you're not literally saving any money yet until the season starts. So, I still think there is a chance that some unexpectedly big trades will happen in spring training, which would be kind of fun. You know, that used to that used to be a thing. Um, you know, like the the '84 Cubs, two thirds of their outfield changed one day at the end of spring training, because the Phillies are like, fine, you can have Gary Matthews and Bob Dernier. I mean, and that kind of stuff used to happen. Two of the greatest Cubs of all time were acquired at the waiver deadline. Not the waiver deadline. They were acquired at the cutdown date when the Blue Jays tried to to sneak. This was years apart, but they tried to sneak two guys through waivers that the Cubs were wise, and they, they snapped them up. Uh, Reed Johnson and Louis Valbuena. <laughs> so stuff can happen late. Um, but like I said, we're getting close. And um, it would be nice to to fill some huge holes. There's still the the bullpen. They're like forty percent shy of a real bullpen. So there's some stuff, some stuff we got to do. I don't know what kind of what kind of calendar Jed has in his office, but it's like the old joke that Derek Lee used to be such a terrible. He started so terribly that I was thought the Cubs should get him a calendar that every month was June. And then uh, yeah, maybe they did in two thousand five. That's when he went off. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk just quickly about the Bears. Um, they did hire their offensive coordinator. They hired Shane Waldron. Not Shane Walton. Uh, that's a different guy. But Shane Waldron, who had been the offensive coordinator for the um, for in Seattle. And he goes back to, um, I believe, original Shanahan. Is that right? In Washington. Uh, and the Rams with Sean McVay, he was the quarterback coach when they got the Super Bowl season out of Jared Goff. Um, I think the thing he did that was most impressive was when the the Seahawks dumped Russ, that he got a 4,500-yard season out of Geno Smith, which would easily make him the, the greatest passer in Bear history. Um so we'll see. Everybody's trying to read the tea leaves. Does this mean that they're going to trade Justin? Does this mean they're going to keep Justin? And you just you can't tell, right? Because he's worked with varied enough quarterbacks that he probably could craft an offense for Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. So, so we just don't know. Um, I've, I talk a lot on the Bear podcast about how the Bears in Chicago are covered um, by the most amount of people. Like everybody's got bear reporters, and everybody's got and, but they're also covered ineptly for the most part, right? Um, and I thought that you couldn't have had a better example of that than the news broke about Waldron, Mully and Hook call their guy, Brad Biggs, to. to have him break it down. And Waldron's the guy that you know the Bears had interviewed. He was one of the clearly one of the leading candidates. There was all this stuff, and Biggs was like, "Well, him and Flus had the same agent." What else? Eh, that's about it. That's some quality analysis. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but one thing we don't have to worry about because the Chargers um, took us off the hook for at least a while is uh, the return of Jim Harbaugh. It's fine. I get it. 
he's been successful everywhere he's coached. University of San Diego, Stanford, the Niners, Michigan. But he's just way too much. <laughs> it's just uh, he's got to be. You know, he didn't win. It. He hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. And the other teams, you can win a Super Bowl without Jim Harbaugh. So let's do that. Because God, what a fucking pain in the ass. He's one of my least favorite Bear players ever. I hated him. Man, not quite to Bob Avellini levels, but close. And the the idea, I, I'm not naive. At some point in our lives, he's going to coach the Bears. Like, he'll only beat the Chargers for like four or five years because he wears himself out. He wears out his welcome so much. But at least we can we can put it off. Maybe by then the Fluce will have won like three Super Bowls. We won't have to worry about it. Um, Vic Fangio. Uh, quit as the defensive coordinator of the Dolphins, and people are like, oh, the Bears will, Bears will hire him, but uh, it's funny, he quit to be closer to his family in Pennsylvania. The Eagles just happen to have the job open, so it's pretty clear that's where he's going. I mean, Chicago is technically closer to western Pennsylvania, or eastern Pennsylvania, I guess if he's going to Philly, um, than uh, Miami, but that's probably not where Vic's going. Bears interviewed old hammerhead Chris Harris, the safety from their last Super Bowl team. Um, it was a respected defensive coach. They were the Titans most recently uh, to be the defensive coordinator. It sure seems like the Flues is still going to call the defensive plays, so you're kind of a defensive coordinator in title more than maybe in role. Uh, but still, I think he's a position coach now, so if he took that job, that's a nice step up for him, and it would be, you know, he was a, he was a well-liked Bear so why the hell not? And then the last thing I want to talk about was the sometimes list of the 20. It's like a power ranking of Chicago's. I guess it's only TV and radio guys, right? If you look at this, there's no like, I mean, otherwise, why wouldn't I be on it? Um, and their number one guy is Pat Hughes. And I, that's, I'm not going to argue with the Hall of Famer. Virgil Patrick Hughes. Um, number two, Adam Amin. I like Adam. Good. Number three, Boog. No, no, not Boog. Um, it's it, it's weird, right? Like, I don't think anybody... Well, maybe there are. I don't think Cup fans, like, hate Boog. He's just... I really think, and maybe I'm just giving him too much credit, I think this is the style of broadcast that Marquis wants them to do. This kind of chatty, it's almost like it's a talk show, and it's kind of a broadcast, and we got to go to Taylor 14 times a game, and uh, hey, we're going to have four guys in the booth today and six tomorrow, and then JD's going to leave for two weeks for no reason, and all this other stuff. Um, It's a low-quality broadcast, and I think you can't reward the play-by-play guy for a low-quality broadcast. <clears throat> Unless the ranking is all about talking about tennis shoes. Then, sure, why not? And then, like, Bernstein and Rahimi and Lawrence Holmes. It seems like a lazy ranking. <laughs> we'll just take the mid-morning show on the score. Just, we'll just throw them in there. Cap uh, is on here. Why not? Um, he even gets extra credit for his recaps on YouTube. Here's... I have a theory about the recaps. Right? Like, Cap and I... I like Cap. He is... I'd love to give him a hard time. I'll never stop giving him a hard time. He honestly is a super nice dude. One of the one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Um, but still, incredibly fun to make fun of. So we're, there's no reason to stop that. He's got I don't know how many 162,000 subscribers to the recaps. 
I think I absolutely that's true. You can see it, right? I think nobody watches more than the first twenty seconds of any of them. That's just just my theory. <laughs> uh, old Mushface is on here. Danny Parkins, number nine. Ugh. I I feel kind of bad for Parkins. Just a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, born without a chin. That's that's a tough break. Uh, what I feel sorry for him for is he clearly he's he has the skill set to be a national radio host, and it's clearly what he wants to be. And there aren't any anymore, right? Like ESPN Radio is barely a thing, and Fox Sports Radio is barely a thing, and Sirius XM, you know, you you got to like suck up to the Mad Dog, and then even when you do, who listens to that? It's, you know, I don't get it. So really, what you have to do then is you have to. You, it's TV now. That's where you have to make that. And if you look like that, I just, I, it's just, it's never going to happen. So I feel kind of bad. Uh, Mark Silverman's on here. Sylvie. Uh, he, he should get extra credit because he took over Hub's column and <laughs> on Shaw newspapers. Um, Dion Miller, fine. Jason Goff, fine. Stacey King, Tom Waddle. Stony, I always think Steve Stone was the most overrated analyst in Chicago sports history. Um, there was a time when he was really good, and he deserves a lot of credit for. Um, he had to do the thing that Pat then had to do later with Santo. Was he kind of had to like, he had to nudge Harry back <laughs> a lot. Like late stage Harry was getting lots of things wrong or not paying attention or whatever, and Stone could kind of keep it without being really obvious about it, keeping Harry on track, and Pat had to do that a lot with uh, with Santo, who in the middle of one of Pat's calls would be like, what did, uh, <laughs> what did Grozolanik do? That's, well, that was four batters ago. Were you just now catching up with your scorebook? Um, and to me, that's where the list just ends, is at 15. Like, there literally weren't 20. Because you're stretching it to get to 15. Then you get Darren Pang, did anybody get excited about Little Panger coming back? I don't think so. And then 17 and 18 are just egregious. It's awful. It should, the editor should have flagged this and said, well, we're not printing this because you can't get to 20 if 17 and 18 are Zach Zaidman and Jeff Joniak. <clears throat> Zaidman is a terrible baseball announcer, and he's a, just such a prick. So, no, the, does he make the, is it the fake laughing power ranking? Because he'd be number one. He'd be 1 and 1A. He's so good at that. And then 18 is Jeff Joniak. Told the story a million times. I'm going to tell again just because it's fun. My dad was a farmer. One day I'm, I'm at home watching a bear game. This is after I've gone off and become gainfully employed. And um, I get a call from Dad on a cell phone. This is like a new thing. Dad had a cell phone. And he's on the combine. He's he's working. And he's like, what's the score of the bear game? And I, the various times, the tractors and combines we had, sometimes the radios in them just didn't work. And that was not a real high priority <laughs> on the farm, getting those fixed. Uh, so I thought, well, I'm like, is the radio not working? He's like, no, it's working. I'm like, well, how do you not know? He's like, I go, did you just get in the cab? And he's like, I've been in the cab for 15 minutes. He's like, that fucker has not said the score. That was Jeff Joniak, was some keeping fans in the dark for 15 minutes, talking about everything but what the score of the game he was doing was. One thing that I, I, I intended to do last year, I promise I will do it this year, is uh, I want to listen to the first quarter of a game 
I'll, I'm going to watch it on TV because I won't know what happens otherwise. I'm going to listen to Joni Ice call, and I'm just going to keep track of all of the weird things he either gets wrong or omits. Because occasionally I'll get stuck, I'll time it wrong, I'll get stuck in the car for the first few minutes of a Barry game, I'll have to listen to him, and I'll find myself yelling at the dashboard. Like, he's famous for this. It'll be like, you know, here's the handoff to Herbert, and he runs out of bounds right there. Where's there? It's like, Jeff, it's fucking radio. We don't know where there is. You just have to tell us. <sighs> he, very, he, he can go stretches without telling you the down or the distance or how much time is left or the score. It's just like how I, he only has that job because the McCaskies think he's swell. And I really, really worry that the Ricketts have a lot of that in them. And then Pat is going to retire or die. He's never allowed to do either. And they're just going to make Zaidman the radio guy. And that means I'm just never going to be able to listen to a Cub radio broadcast. Donnie and I talk about it. I remember this crap. And this is true. If I'm listening to a game, you know, I have, you know, when it gets to the fifth inning, I will use the MLB app and I will listen to the other team's call for the fifth. Because I can't stomach Zaidman at all. That's kind of a nice way to, I can't do it with the Cardinals. <laughs> There's no way I would do it with them. But other teams, like with the Mets, like, oh, listen to Wayne Randazzo for an inning. That'll be fine. Thank God. You shouldn't have to do that. But that's where we are. Anyway, um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to work hard, guys, and I'm going to get actual guests the next couple of weeks so that you don't have to just listen to me ramble to myself for 40 minutes, however long this one was. But I appreciate those of you who stuck around to the end. Treat yourself. Renew your subscription to Pointless Exercise Newsletter. Um, or just go back and listen to some podcasts. There's, you know, uh, Donahue and I have Remember This Craps to catch up on. And uh, I've got a couple of other guys that I want to talk to uh, before we get baseball uh, intensive. Um, I fully intend to continue to do the baseball podcast with our good friend Dave Brown. But we're also going to add one that's a little more Cub intensive. Because I don't, I don't want to force poor Dave, who's a national baseball writer, into talking only about the Cubs. So uh, we'll work on that, too. So we've got all that coming up. And uh, uh, thanks for listening. And um, uh, join me again next time. Many of us have herpes. I don't know. What's up yours?